Hello, lovely Queer Queries listeners. I can't believe it. We have reached the end of the second season of the show. (laughs) I'm just so grateful to all of you who have tuned in and supported the show. Creating something and presenting it to the world is such a vulnerable thing, as I'm sure many of you know, so to have even one person listen to an episode is extraordinary, especially having listeners not just in the U.S., but all across the world. I hope that this show reminds all of you that you aren't alone. I'm here for you, and there are so many of us around the world who are fighting for you. This season was really affirming for me because of all the new guests that I was introduced to by way of social media, research, or just from friend suggestions. It was really a reminder of why I started this show and why I continue to love doing this show, because it expands my view of the incredible work that is being done in our community. We exist in all fields and all walks of life, and I really do believe that this ensures a brighter future for us all. And something that I realized that kind of unintentionally became a theme for this season, alongside celebrating and finding queer joy, was what work do we need to do for younger generations, the ones who haven't even been born yet? And this came up in my interview with Tom in terms of like what it means to be a role model and using that role to guide and make space for others who may not be as visible as you. And it also came up in my interviews with Linz and Stephanie when we were specifically talking about children and how we can communicate that queerness is not inappropriate or too mature for kids to learn about. It's just learning what language to use to communicate to queer children that who they are is beautiful and teaching non-queer children how to stand beside their friends who are. And thankfully, we have someone like Chloe Davis who quite literally gave us an incredible resource with the Queen's English to learn about our history through the evolution and expansiveness of our vernacular. I'm going to keep plugging that book because it is incredible. And it also came up my interview with Cheetah with the need to create an LGBTQ space within the communities that we inhabit so we can learn from each other and find love and safety amongst ourselves. It also makes me think of questions like, how are we as younger queer people looking at our history and learning from our elders? What are we choosing to do based on the information we have gathered? How are allies working to ensure the world increasingly becomes more accepting for us all? So many of our guests have also touched on the idea of being an ally versus being an accomplice and the lifelong requirements of that role. The fight cannot and should not be solely fought by the group being oppressed. Like black bodies should not be the only ones showing up in the fight for black lives. And trans and non-binary people should not be the only ones educating the masses on pronouns or how else to make sure you're including them in the spaces that you inhabit. You know, I think it was Marla who shared this differentiation of being an ally versus being an accomplice with me. And Marla and Colette and Anish, just to name a few, have stated in various ways on episodes that allyship is the first step in the journey towards creating a collective humanity that actively works to unlearn oppressive social constructs while also acknowledging the privileges and biases that we all have that support these systems. It exists 
in reading and listening and trying and failing and acknowledging what you did and seeing how you can do better next time. Being an accomplice is the next step in that journey. An accomplice is someone who assists others in creating a space of inclusion, equity, and safety for all, often at the risk of their own social and or professional standing and physical well-being. They are working alongside and not speaking for, but helping to amplify the voices that need to be heard. So being an ally means being someone who will ensure that they use their friend's correct pronouns. And an accomplice is someone who's going to go into a room and make sure that everyone in that space knows their friend's correct pronouns and reminds others in case they are misgendered for any reason. They are the ones doing the heavy lifting so that their trans or non-binary friend does not have to educate others on or validate their own experience. Being an ally is volunteering your time at a local racial justice organization, whereas an accomplice will join the organization, actively use their skills in the fight for black and brown lives, and create an everyday plan for how they can unlearn racist social structures and call in others to do so as well. And... In speaking about younger folk, and I include myself in that, we are dealing with the failures made by those above us and are actively choosing to find solutions and fight back. Stats have proved that we Gen Z are the queerest generation yet, and that means we are working to ensure those who would rather forget us know that we are here, we're queer, and that we demand their respect in all seriousness. Our futures are at stake. I've been so incredibly inspired by my contemporaries and those younger than me who have dedicated so much of themselves to fight for equality, often at the expense of their own well-being. And I bring up the allyship versus accompliceship juxtaposition because, like Erica and I discussed in the last episode, we often don't think about the mental toll that occurs on those who are fighting every day for their own right to be seen as human beings. Like, what it's like to have friends and celebrities that they support and quote-unquote ride for the gays, or will post a black square on social media in solidarity, or organizations who put a trans flag in their window during Pride Month. But then, they do and say nothing when legislation is being passed every day to harm trans youth, or rush to get back to work during an ongoing global pandemic when anti-racist training and practices haven't been put in place to ensure BIPOC members of the workspace feel safe. So much more is required outside of the simple statement, I accept you, or I will fight for you. We need proper representation in the media instead of perpetuating harmful stereotypes. We need anti-racist and trans and non-binary inclusive training to make spaces safer because of the harmful practices that have existed in our societal systems for centuries. It requires active, everyday unlearning. We need audible support from our leaders and active changes in terms of legislation, addressing issues like housing, healthcare access, education, and for women in TGNC, agency over their own bodies. I mean, the list goes on and on. And if you want some more specific resources, I encourage you to follow all of our guests and all of the organizations we featured on social media, as well as activists such as Queen Jean, Sis, Ian Field-Stewart, and so many more. I'll link all of these in the show notes below. 
You must follow black and brown queer and trans activists on social media so that you change the information you are getting daily so that you're always absorbing new ways to make active change. One thing I've learned through doing this show and the conversations I've had both on and off of it is that, again, it is an everyday commitment. It's also something that, if you're like me, can weigh on you and become extremely overwhelming because of the magnitude of it all. I mean, these are huge problems, and they cannot be solved in a day. And why I was so excited to speak with Erica Woodland this season is to get into the minutia about mental health, and specifically with queer folk. We can only show up in this fight if we are showing up and taking care of ourselves just as much. Especially for queer people, the act of simply existing and being ourselves is political, which is not something that many of us signed up for. So, it is incredibly important that we give ourselves the grace to disappear and work through the pain and trauma we still face. That's also why I wanted this season to be about joy. One of my guiding lights is much like what Linz and I discussed on our episode. We are working to create a world that we dreamed of when we were younger. We are creating resources and tools so that the future generations can pick up the mantle and build upon the foundation that those before us built. Those of us currently fighting are building with hope that they will rise to the occasion and take us into this utopic future. So many of us have been told to stay away from what truly brings us joy. You weren't born that way, so you can't be that. You are in that kind of relationship, so you can't have kids. You're that kind of person, so you can only achieve this much success. I know I rejected joyous parts of myself for so long because no one gave me permission to. I didn't have someone to look up to or to guide me, and because I was assigned male at birth, I couldn't find power in femininity. But thank God I found people who gave me that permission, which in time I was able to give myself. I cannot stress the importance of cultivating community and education for younger people enough. Having a role model to be there as a guide and tell you it's going to be okay can save lives. Seeing yourself represented accurately in the media can as well. And I, I talk about that a lot because as an artist, I believe that art is a reflection of what is going on around us. And it allows us to hold up a mirror to see ourselves. It allows us to answer questions in our lives or see that we aren't alone in the struggles we face. I mean, look at how much art has saved our sanity this past year and a half. I mean, the countless shows on streaming, the plethora of new music, the street murals, the way theater performers have managed to go virtual and do their best to replicate that experience. Just overall, the countless ways stories are being shared as a means to create a better world. Art is how I learned about queerness. It's how I learned about our history. It's how I gained confidence in myself. It has brought me a lot of pain, but it has brought me even more joy. And like I said, joy can be so hard to find nowadays. And Cheetah said that in our very first episode, we have to actively look for it sometimes. Especially in this world where it feels like everything is trying to keep us down and keep so many of us from living our truths. And... Again, we are still living through a pandemic, which has not made things easy. And yes, again, I need to reiterate, this hurt needs to be shown. 
there can't just be this urgency to brush over it just because we are eager to get back to this quote-unquote normal that really wasn't fair for everyone to begin with. We all need to keep screaming until the corrupt powers that be finally bend or leave, preferably leave, and make way for leaders who have the interests of the people in mind and not just their pocketbooks. But the fight, your fight, needs to be infused with joy. Queer people, give yourself the permission to relish in that joy and your own beauty. If that's hard, like, I know it can be hard for me sometimes. And sometimes you need permission. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you permission. If that's what you need, go relish in your joy and your beauty because you all bring me joy. When I see the strength, the beauty and resilience of us, I'm always inspired. I love hearing our stories. It's why I started this show. I love finding the common themes and the differences. I hope those of you listening feel inspired to not only find your own joy, but help to ensure that every single person around you has that potential as well. So I want to thank you all again for tuning into the show, supporting all of the guests, and just queerness in general. I love you, and <laughs> I know that could be weird because I don't know a lot. I don't know every single person that's listening to this episode, but I really do mean that because. Sometimes what we need is someone who we've never met across the world to just see us for a moment and say that, I love you, I see you, you are valid, and I'm fighting for you. And there are many of us fighting for you. Thank you again for listening to another season of Queer Queries. And now go have a big, gay, joyous day. <laughs> All right. Ta-ta for now. Hey y'all, thanks for tuning into this episode of Queer Queries. This show is produced by, yours truly, co-produced and edited by Addison McKissack. Theme song written by Matt Gregory, Colin Egan, and Mike Hubbard. Produced by Colin Egan and Mike Hubbard. Have an inquiry, topic suggestion, guest idea? Email askqueerqueries at gmail.com and I'll be sure to get back to you. Also, follow us on Instagram at, at queer.queries. And be sure to like and subscribe and go tell the whole world about the Queer Queries podcast.